Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Said it before, and I will say it again. There's not much that thrills my heart more than my children being involved in worship and using their talents and their abilities. And Ella each week, I mean, they various abilities and talents, but these two in particular with their playing of the instruments for Ella, uh, I think of and my, my mother talked to me often about how when she started very young, a little bit older than Ella, but playing the piano in church and learned and learned and got better and better. And watching Ella, she learns and learns and gets better and better. And then Lucas, as he's coming right along, and he's got talents in so many areas as well, but certainly enjoys using the talents and abilities God's given him playing the piano. And I appreciate your support and your encouragement of them as well. I hear many of you, not just in your applause or amen, but um, even on the side, just... Uh, speaking to them and encouraging them. And I appreciate that our children, not just my children, but our children need, we all need encouragement. But as I've said, uh, and I'll, I said it's a lot. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I would not for all the tea in China, go back to my days of middle school in particular. I just, that was not a pleasant time for me. And my, my children do well. They thrive. They do well. And I'm sure they have their own personal battles but most of you probably like me no wouldn't want to go back to that i wouldn't mind going back to be able to carefree play you know not nearly as many responsibilities and bills and all those kind of things but not the uh not the time and our children certainly in these days whether they be middle school younger than that older than that need our prayers and our encouragement it's just very very difficult days uh as the words of my days as was your days but we're in today, and so I thank you, and I encourage you. Encourage somebody, pray, encourage, lift them up, let them know that you love and care for them. Open your Bibles uh, with me again. I'm going to bring, uh, hopefully, what I think will be just a few brief thoughts, as we're going to have our Lord's Supper here at the end. Uh, but this was a particularly challenging section of Scripture because it is deep and difficult for us. And it, while um, in some ways it seems like it ought not to be, I think it applies to us as traditional old-fashioned church like we are. Um, I, I think it, at least it speaks to me in ways that are sometimes hard to hear. Because we become set, and we have certain ideas, and we have certain preferences, and we have certain traditions. And Jesus was challenging those in the Pharisees. And so the message for us is not just a history lesson, but is God challenging us in not placing our traditions, our preferences over His Word and His purpose for us. And I think that's what Mark 7, at the heart of it, is what it's dealing with in this particular passage and a few weeks ago when we started in this passage, the beginning of Mark 
chapter 7. I'm not trying to compare us to the Pharisees other than the fact that they had traditions that they were holding to. And I'm going to touch on that again because it's been a few weeks for us since we we're here. And I want us to see those things again before we talk about Jesus actually redefining the lines. In other words, changing what they had been taught. And so we're going to see that in this message, redefining the lines. So you may remain seated, but I'm going to read, reread what Mark has already read in Mark 7, chapter or verse 14. <clears throat> and when he had called the people unto him. Now, understand this. The people were already there. He says, what do you mean called them unto them? Is this a different time? No. It was the people had already been there in verse 1. People came together, people were listening to him teach, and some of them were following him. And the Pharisees came forward, and they accused Jesus and his disciples of not ceremoniously washing their hands and washing the pots in the ritualistic way. Again, not, we'll touch on this again, but not in the sanitary purposes way, but just in a ritualistic way. They accused Jesus and his apostles. When that happened, the people, out of respect, probably stepped back, kind of backed off a little bit, and gave the Pharisees room to come in and kind of question. And now Jesus is saying, all right, come back in now. Come over here. Listen, this is important. And he is calling them. Uh, he says, hearken unto me, every one of you to understand. In other words, listen up. This is important. Now, everything that Jesus says is important. Everything God says in His Word is important. But when you hear the words or read the words, hearken, that was, I'm about to say something major. I'm about to say something that's really going to shock you, maybe, you know, the way we might define that today. This is really going to shake the foundations of what you understand. And when we read this, we may not be quite as shaken as the Jews were. But what he was about to tell them was earth shaking for them. Let's continue reading. There is nothing, verse 15, from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man, if any man have ears, let him hear. Again, once again, he's saying, listen up. And when he was entered in the house and the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, are you so without understanding also? Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? because it entereth not into his heart, but into his stomach. So in other words, what you eat goes into your stomach, and then it is expelled from your body. You digest it, and you get rid of it, is what he's saying. Goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. 
Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand what you are trying to teach, what you're trying to teach them at that time, but also us today. Help us to understand. Father, we are in many ways without understanding. We in many ways struggle to understand, but help us to understand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One of the main thoughts we get from this, I'm going to give you, this is probably the end, but I'm going to come back to it perhaps, but I want to give it to you right from the beginning, is something that we prominently say, and it is the problem the world needs to understand, is that all the things that are evil that are going on in the world, it's not because... Well, kids grew up with video games and violent video games, and so that's the problem. Or people have too many guns in their houses today, that's the problem. Or because of, you know, they grow, grew up in broken homes, that's the problem. Or because of whatever thing they want to throw and say, this is the reason that we have all these problems. And we need to understand, I think most of us do, and you hear Christians say this often, the problem is not with those things, it is with the heart. The problem is the sin nature, the sin that is in the heart. And therefore, it's not the things that go in, it's the things that come out of the heart that is the root of the problem. That's what Jesus was saying. Listen, it's not what you put in your body, it's what comes out of the heart that is the root of the problem. Now, having said that, let me go back and let me just touch on a few things. Jesus is accusing, or Jesus did accuse, after he was accused, Jesus accused the religious leaders of that day. Let me back up. Jesus was accused of not following the traditions of the elders. The oral Torah. We may not be familiar with that term, but the oral traditions or the oral Torah. In other words, there was God, there was the written law, the written Torah, or and there was the the oral or the spoken law. We have in our Bible, we have the written law. In Exodus Leviticus, we have the written law. But the religious leaders of the day, scribes, Pharisees, specifically added things or explanations that were passed down orally of, well, this is what this meant. And then they would therefore interpret it and tell people how to apply it in adding things to what God said. Now, later it was written down, those oral things were written down in the Mishnah and the Talmud. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, but the Mishnah and the Talmud are the written, but they were written 200 years or so after Jesus would have lived. They were written down, but before that it was passed down orally. But it was the explanation of the Pharisees in the particular that kept these oral traditions. And Jesus was not following the oral traditions. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago when he says the not washing of the hands and not washing of the pots. That was the oral tradition that Jesus was not following. And the problem was, is that the Pharisees were applying the oral traditions, the additional laws, if you will, or instructions, the explanations of God's instructions, man's interpretation thereof, and saying these things are equal to, or in really in some ways, above God's law. 
And what was happening was, is if people did not follow the oral traditions, they were looked down upon, they were excluded from, they were turned their nose up as, they were not able to come and worship, they were not able to do various things, and they were prohibited. And that's why Jesus later on says, you religious leaders, you've putting all these restrictions on people, making the burden that they already have because of being under the thumb of the Romans and under Herod. Therefore, you're making it harder on them instead of doing things to make, to make their burden lighter. And, he's, and, and you're making it where they can't do things that they ought to be able to do. And part of what was happening was that Jesus was doing one. He was correcting what they were doing, but also he was giving the Pharisees a reason to later put him to death. They, initially, they didn't understand that he was proclaiming himself to be God. They began to accuse him and to hate him and to despise him because he was going against what they were teaching, but also in their defense, what they had always been taught. This is how we do it. This is how it's supposed to be done. And you have to understand that people, that someone coming in and saying, no, 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 that's not right. That would be difficult for them, more so even, although sometimes it's difficult for us, when we hear someone come in and they do things a little bit differently, and we're like, well, wait just a minute, I've always been taught this. We sometimes need someone to come in and for us ourselves to look into God's Word and say, what does God really say and what is just man's tradition what is man's preference understand there are traditions there, there's god's law and there were certain things that the israelites were given by god now god gave if you really want to be if you really want to kind of divide it up god gave the 10 commandments and then he also gave, and I'm going to tell you why I'm dividing this, he also gave all the other Mosaic law. When you're reading, as again, if you are reading, or if you have read before, or if you start reading, in Exodus, beginning in chapter 20 in particular, and following all the way through Leviticus, you're going to see all these laws, all these regulations, or all these things that this is what you're to do. Why? Or what's the difference between that? Is there a difference between that and the Ten Commandments? And the answer is technically yes. The Ten Commandments were written on stone. Why were they written on stone? Because they were for everybody. What do you say? What do you mean everybody? The other ones weren't for everybody? No, the other ones were for the Jews. Now, some of them were logical. Like he was telling them, don't eat, I'm going to paraphrase this now, but don't eat meat that's uncooked. Don't eat raw meat. Don't eat meat that has the blood in it. Why? Well, there's two reasons for that. One, because the other pagan cultures were eating the meat that had the blood in it. And two, they didn't have digital thermometers or cooking thermometers back then. And they didn't understand about cooking temperatures and what was safe and what was not safe. And so therefore, if you didn't cook it or didn't cook it long enough, it could make you sick. There was a logical reason for it, but all a physiological reason for it. But also there was a spiritual reason for it. You're to be different. You are to be different. That's the reason God gave many of these laws was you are to be different. Some of the laws we look at and we say, well, why did he do that? 
Because God gives us things sometimes that don't make sense to us, but we're to follow them anyway. And there's a third, another reason, and that's really to prove, to show the people you can't follow all 613 laws every day in every way. You can't. And Jesus said, if you break one point of the law, you've broken all the law, and so therefore the law is not enough. And that's why Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He came to fulfill, to complete the law. When he first came, he wasn't, it wasn't finished. It's when he died that it was. That's why there were still, even the disciples still struggled in their following of what he was teaching at times. Wait a minute. I've always been taught this in Jewish school. Right? In Torah school, I've been taught this. And we today may say, well, I was always taught this in Sunday school. But we always have to go back and say, what did God say? And in this passage, God, in the form of Jesus, is changing the lines. In some ways, he's helping us understand where the lines are. For example, in the first part of chapter 7, it wasn't about, you didn't have to wash your hands ritually uh, in order to eat. That didn't make you a bad person. But also, he changes the law here in the latter part, what we're just reading about the fact that, hey, it's now okay to eat meat that is unclean. That's what he is saying. We know that because he tells them it's not what you put in your body that defiles you. Now, why did he tell them not to eat pork? Why did he tell By the way, let me just stop right here for one second. Many of you are glad. Well, let's put it this way. Many of you are either glad that God did not apply some of the 613 laws that are in the Mosaic law, the written law, to you and me, or the fact that they're not repeated in the New Testament, and that Jesus here says it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of the heart that defiles you. Because how many of you like shrimp? Go ahead and raise your hand, Tracy. I'm sorry. I know how people like shrimp, but I just know that she would be in big trouble. And most of us don't know this. Some of us do. But shrimp was against the Jewish law to eat. Uh, pork, bacon. How many of you like bacon? Uh-oh. It was against the Jewish law to eat. And so therefore, if you ate bacon, you couldn't go to church. If you ate bacon, you were a sinner. If you were, ate bacon, then you were defiled. If you ate shrimp, if you ate lobster, I love crab legs. I don't get to eat them very often because they cost an arm and a leg. But on occasion, right after we win the lottery, whenever that is, which we don't play the lottery, so I don't know how we're going to do that. But anyway, we'll eat some lobster and some crab legs against the Old Testament law. Now, Jesus never repeats it in the New Testament. In fact, he says, it's not what you put in your body. But by the way, again, there's still some... Things that, okay, you probably shouldn't put in your body, but that's not what defiles you. That's what Jesus was saying. And he was helping the disciples to understand that. Again, there are some things that Jesus said, you are taking 
these things and you're making it harder on people and they were making it where people couldn't come. And I'm going to use the word church. Back then it was the tabernacle. Back then it was the temple in Jesus' day. Back in Moses' day it would have been the tabernacle. But you couldn't come and worship God uh, if you had done certain things. If you were therefore unclean. You had to stay outside the camp for a certain number of days. Why was that? Well, part of it was you shouldn't do those things. Part of it was I just want you to be different. And whether it makes sense to you or not, I want you to follow me by faith. And then three, no matter what you do, I want you to see you can't follow it all. And for us, that's why Jesus, or for all people, that's why Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In fact, he says over in, Luke, in Matthew, he says, I don't think that I came to do away with the law. I didn't. I came because I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So how is Jesus the fulfillment of the law and the prophets? He is the answer to the fact that you can't follow all the laws and you had to make all these sacrifices for not following them over and over and over again. And that's why if you're reading in Exodus Leviticus, you're seeing all the, man, it was hard. If you sinned, you had to do this. If you, uh, if you purposely sinned, you had to do this. If you didn't purposely sin, but you still messed up, you still, you had to do this and you had to do it in this way. And at this time and this many and, it was hard. And it proved you could not follow it all. And even when you followed that, still the priests had to offer a yearly sacrifice for the people that covered all the sins that may have gotten missed throughout the course of the year, just in case, you know, that's that blanket, God, in case I missed anything, forgive me for whatever I forgot about. That was what they were doing. But Jesus, and so the religious leaders were looking at people and saying, you can't come to church. You can't come to church. You're no good. You're not even a Jew. You can't do this. You can't even be around me. You're a, you're a Samaritan. You don't follow the same way we do. You don't worship the same place we do. And here's the point for us. We've got to be careful that we don't do that. Well, you only, have, you only go to church one time a week. Or you only go, oh, what? And by the way, there are people that will look, and I'm just being honest, that sometimes will look at me or my kids and say, what, you don't go to seven night a week revival when we have it? Or you don't go three times a week? Don't do that. By the way, don't get mad at people that do go to church three times a week or do go to seven night revival. Either way. Don't get mad and say, well, I'm better than you because I don't have to go. Or don't get mad, or mad at somebody else. I'm better than you because I do go every time the doors are open. My parents drug me to church every time the doors were open. I drag my kids to church every time our doors are open. But I also understand that just because you don't go doesn't mean that you're somehow less than if you're, if you're a true believer. Or if you're not a believer, you're not less than, you're just still lost. And you need to be found. But you're still loved. I wrote this down this week, and it wasn't even part of my message, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. Um, it's the fact that there is nothing that we can do to make ourselves more precious to God. You understand that? 
No following of the laws, no going up to church, no singing in the choir, no giving of offerings makes us more precious to God. And you say, well, you're kind of trying to keep us from... No, no, I'm not. But God loves you supremely, perfectly, eternally, completely, no matter what. However, what we do... Reading God's Word more, the more times we spend in prayer, the more time we spend around Him, the more times we get involved in church. I don't mean just for going to church, just for tradition's sake. That's what they were doing in following the laws. They were doing it for tradition's sake. And their heart was far from God, and that's why wickedness was coming out of their heart, no matter how many laws they followed, no matter how many traditions they followed, no matter how many dietary rules they followed, it was still wickedness coming out of their heart. But the things that we do, so no matter what you do, you can't earn or get more love from God. You've already got it all. But what you can do and the things that you do, you're never going to be more precious to God, but you make Him more precious to you. The more I read God's Word... Not just in ritualistically doing it. I mean my heart's desire to read God's Word. The more precious He becomes to me. The more I give to others in service and money and charity, it doesn't matter, in service to God, the more I give, it's not I do it, be, I mean you can say it's a cycle, but the more I do it, the more precious He becomes to me. To me. The more precious you're already precious in His sight. Remember the old song, red and yellow, black and white? We need to remember that. We need to start singing that in church again. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus doesn't just love the children of the world, yellow, red and yellow, black and white. He also loves the old cranky folks of the world, red and yellow, black and white, and everybody in between. And we are precious in his sight. So he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm moving the lines here. I'm helping you. I'm redefining the lines. I'm helping you understand. Now, there's some lines we ought never to move and don't need any redefinition. Right? Sin is wrong. Jesus is the answer. We're all sinners. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross. That's the only thing that pays the price for our sin is what He did. And when we acknowledge it and say, God, I'm sorry, that's when we're saved. Those lines ought never, ever, ever to be, they don't need redefined. They don't need moved. We don't say, well, it's this and something else, or well, it's, you know, partially that. No. There are certain things in God's Word that the stakes are never to be picked up and moved. Because Jesus is the cornerstone. You move it, it all falls apart. But there are some things that we need to understand. And some things Jesus is just saying, hey, let me just go ahead and change this for you to make it easier on you. What you put in your mouth, what you put in your body, that's not the problem. Because that gets digested, that goes out. The problem... And he lists some things, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness. That all comes from the heart. And the problem is what's already inside. Now, understand, 
There are things in the world, and I'm out of time, there are things in the world that we don't need because they fuel the problem of our heart. For example, uh, a grape in of itself. Nothing wrong with it. Man, because of the evilness in his heart, takes that, lets it ferment, adds alcohol to it, and then sells it to make money and to use it as a, as a, as a mask, really, is what it is, for his problems and drinking and getting drunk and trying to forget and, and all, you know, all, or to have fun, all kind. That's one thing. There's other things, whether it be drugs, whether it be even sometimes the foods that we eat too much of, they become problems because we become gluttonous and we become sinful in our heart. Not because we, the grape wasn't bad, the poppy seed's not bad. We took the poppy seed and turned it into heroin. But the poppy seed's not bad. I, poppy seed's my bagels, I love them. But it's of the intent of the heart. What are you intending? Why are you doing it? It's what's in your heart is where the sin is. And by the way, and we're out of time. This I don't have time to get to all of it. But what is in the heart will come out. And that's why he says what comes out of us is what defiles us. What comes out? What's in the heart will be revealed and come out. I hope we understand that Jesus, and by the way, this is a change. Jesus is saying, you've been taught this. And in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic Law, they were. Don't eat certain meats. Jesus is saying, it's okay to eat those meats. Now, here's the thing. We sometimes struggle with this just as the people that they did, not so much the meats, but when Jesus says, oh, wait a minute, let me help you understand something better, we struggle with it Sometimes. Peter struggled with the not eating certain kinds of meat until Acts, where he has the vision about the meats. Remember, if you remember this, he has a dream, and in the dream, God says, take and eat, and it was pigs, and it was bacon. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was all kinds of unclean animals in his eyes. And it was the call to the man who is not a Jew, that you're going to go to his house. And the reason Peter was going to go to his house was because he was going to be saved. And Peter wouldn't go because he was a Gentile. But Jesus says, what I've called clean, don't call unclean. My point is, Peter struggled with it. And sometimes we struggle. That's okay if we struggle with our traditions and our preferences in taking those things and getting them out of place. I'm not saying it's right. I'm simply saying God understands it. God's still working on you. But understand that there are things that we need to understand that God is trying to teach us just as he was teaching them. And when he died on the cross, when he gave up the ghost and paid the price for our sin, he became the completion of the law. There was no longer a need for any other animal to be, ever be sacrificed for sin. Because Jesus was that. As long as you accept that sacrifice, you're good. And number two, he was a fulfillment of the prophecy because the prophecy of the prophet said, hey, there's a Messiah coming one day. And he said, I am him. And I had someone tell me the other day, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father and you've seen me, if you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And listen, most of us know that. But don't let anybody tell you, well, Jesus never claimed to be. Yes, he did. And that's why, by the way, he could change what God said. Because he was God. 
That's why he could define what God said or help us redefine what God said because he was God. And I hope that you will understand that today. I hope that we will worship him in spirit and truth and that we will worship him in freedom that he gives us to do. I pray that we will do that today. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. This place is me.